Unearthing Paranormalcy is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange Welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast that digs into the paranormal and tries to find normalcy in the topic. Topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. And I'm Chad. And I'm sick. <laughs> Poor Amy. I know. Yeah. We're having to do this from a distance because I didn't want Chad to catch anything. If Dave, if Dave it's almost gets like you wanted me to go to work on Monday. Yeah, in case I don't. <laughs> <laughs> But it's not COVID. I did test, and I am negative for COVID. Yeah, it's just crud. Probably allergies more than anything. I'm so bad at tests. I always fail the COVID test. <laughs> <laughs> well, heck, the wind yesterday. Our tree was like full of leaves, and today it's completely barren. So the wind was crazy yesterday. Yeah. So who knows? It what started got, really bad last night. Who knows what got blown in and is making me feel all bull. Oh, yeah. I was sitting out in the garage, and I thought there was hail hitting the door, but it was just the leaves falling. Yeah. It's like, ting, 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 ting. It sounded like a helicopter flying over my house, and I sat there and listened. I was like, oh, no, that's just the wind blowing. Okay. <laughs> nice wind to say, like, all right, time to knock the, tr- the leaves out the trees. <laughs> well, before we get started on this week's episode, we've got a little housekeeping. Don't forget about... My Etsy store, it is up and going. Use promo code paranormalcy at checkout to get free shipping on your entire order in the U.S. Uh, and it's Sweet Magic by Amy. The link will be in the description of the show. And Chad, you want to tell us about Raven's Last Oath? Yeah, for any of our gaming listeners out there, if you want to join a non-toxic uh, commu- gaming community uh, from consoles to PC... Uh, send me a message on Facebook or Discord, uh, and I can get you an invite. Or there's a link in the description of an invite to the Raven's Last Oath. It was created by some friends of mine to honor Eli, um, who was a huge avid gamer and kind of a shining light in the community, and always wanted to preach and share non-toxic a non-toxic community to play in. So feel free to join or send us send me questions if you have them. Um, our ultimate goal is to start being able to create uh, tournaments for gaming, whether it be Magic the Gathering, Apex, something like that, um, and with proceeds going to mental health and uh, cancer research. Awesome. Hell I'm, yeah. I'm a member. I am yeah. too. I don't game as much as I used to. Once upon a time, I was a big gamer. Then I had children. Yeah. yeah. I play Apex about three or four nights a week. And if I have time and feel like I'm up to it, I normally try to play some RPG or something. But Very snazzy. Last game I played was f- Minecraft, probably. Other than that, it was Farm Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an exciting gamer. Well, before we get to this week's episode, let's go ahead and listen to a promo from one of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network shows. Hello, Strange Seeds. This is the Primordia Podcast, your source for strange. I'm your host, Britt. Join me semi-weekly as we pull off our flesh suits and dive into the primordial waters of the mystical and magical, the downright freaky, the strange and bizarre, unsettling synchronicities, and the truly terrifying. You'll leave each episode with a list of reading recommendations if you feel so inclined to research further the topics we discuss, which I encourage you to do. 
Connect with a growing community of eclectic minds who strive to leave a more positive, compassionate imprint on this weird world we live in. So dive on in with us, and don't be scared. The water is fine. Go check her out. She's great. We love Brit. Yeah, yeah. Such interesting content. She was my first Etsy buyer. Was she? She was. Aww. And then I sent her all the stuff that she won for the uh, thir- or 200th episode. Yeah. I, I was it only little- took uh, almost 100 episodes. No. Yeah, I was a little delayed in that. But, you know, <laughs> hey. I'm a big fan of her work. Me too. Yeah. All right. So this week's episode, we have a road trip. Yay. We are really not going far. Are we there yet? Almost. Now, when we come to selecting destinations for our road trip episodes, we look at the towns and cities where we have the most listeners for the past few weeks. And this particular week, the city that we're going to is, drumroll please. That was a weird ass drum. Uh, yeah. O'Fallon, Illinois. Yay. Which is just outside of St. Louis. And oh. that's home of the O'Fallon Paranormal Society, or OPS. Ops. And I just want to thank everybody for sharing the podcast with the people they like and or the people they don't like in that area. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want your city to be the next city we go to on our road trip episodes, be sure to share us with all your friends and family, co-workers, and all that fun stuff. And the more listens we have in an area, the more likely we are to do your city. So, we're hopping in the car. <laughs> we're going to hop on the turnpike. And you know what I hope nothing comes from the radio? Is last Christmas. Oh, yeah, no wham. Christmas music is allowed. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was going to get wham today. I was watching... Uh... Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special thing on Netflix. <gasps> and they kept playing uh, Christmas music. And I was like, God damn it, if I go get into Wham Hall if you're watching this stupid movie. But nope, I didn't. But <laughs> it's, uh, it was actually pretty funny. Well, like the other day at work, a song came on and it kind of had the same sound. And I was like, oh shit, did we just get Wham? Oh no. And then it started singing and I was like, okay, no, this isn't. This is right. in your headphones real quick. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't hear you. Close your eyes. I can't hear you. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to hear this now. Anyway, we're still on the turnpike going up I forty. Oh wow, we've been we're here already because it's not that far from us. <laughs> My favorite kind of road trips. I've been through St. Louis many, many times. Never actually stopped in St. Louis, other than stopped on the highway waiting for construction. That's not true. You were stopped in traffic. That counts as stopped. Well, like I said, stopped on the highway. We were there for like three hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I watched a couple of movies on a laptop while we were waiting yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what do we have in O'Fallon? Do we, did we find anything in O'Fallon, or did we have to go to surrounding cities? Which is sometimes the case in some of those towns. You know, the two I found were in surrounding cities. Uh, yeah, me as well. Surrounding cities and, and roads and things. But places that are close enough that all our awesome listeners in O'Fallon can travel to real quick. And I did find out there's an O'Fallon, Illinois. And then on the other side of St. Louis, there's also an O'Fallon, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> But we discussed the Limp Mansion in episode 190 with its sinister history and secret underground tunnels. Secret, secret tunnels! Visitors apparently have heard screams and had their hair pulled and experienced all other manner of odd interactions at the site. So much that it became a haunted sleepover destination with rooms for rent. But the infamous caverns below the mansion that spider throughout the neighborhoods on the south side of the city near the river have a whole different level of haunting. 
originally used by William Lemp as a place to store his lager, as well as his own personal party cave. Party cave. <laughs> now the caves are rumored to be haunted by all of those ghosts from the surface and more, including monsters and mutants. The Ninja Turtles live in the caves? Teenage Mutant Ninja Ghost, Teenage Mutant Ninja Ghost, Teenage Mutant Ninja Ghost, Heroes in a White Sheet. Turtle power? <laughs> so yeah, if that sounds exciting to you, go flip it over to 190 and then come back and listen to this one. Now in episode 93, we covered the possession of Roland Doe that partly took place in St. Louis. And this... And and the film The Exorcist was based off of his exorcism. I remember that. Rolling, 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 no. <laughs> Eli was on that episode. Yep. Now in this episode, we're gonna cover the McPike Mansion, Stifle Theater, the Grandel Theater, the Fox Theater, some other places. And the seven gates of hell. Let's begin with urban legends. These come to us from riverfronttimes.com. Amazing. We're even like not in the same room, Chad. On the 4900 block of West Florence and Avenue in St. Louis, Hitchhike Annie is the name of the ghost that roams Calvary Drive between Calvary Cemetery and Bellefontaine Cemetery. Her legend has been around since the 1940s and is very well known by the people in the area. She's described as a young woman in a white dress. Annie has long brown hair and pale skin, and she usually makes her appearance right as the sun is setting. And though she might be creepy, she's described as harmless. Apparently, she flags down cars and asks for a ride up the street, but she always disappears when the car reaches the entrance to Bella Fontaine Cemetery, never quite reaching her destination. Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? You've been hit by, you've been struck by a smooth criminal. In Ellisville, Missouri, this old stretch of road in Ellisville carries a heavy story. The legend says that a man was struck by a train and that sometimes people will see him walking near the tracks and reenacting the moment. He got hit. This story is made more believable by the fact that there is constantly fog covering the little dips and valleys of this dark, winding road near Bluebird Park. There are also old, dark buildings just visible from the road that look like something straight out of a horror movie. Any scary story seems reasonable when you're on Zombie Road. Hey, okay. I'm going more detail into the zombie road. In Carrico Road in Florescent, Missouri. I think it's how it's pronounced. Florescent? I don't know. Florescent. I like it. It sounds bright. But legend has it that a family of genetic mutant bubbleheads live at the end of this long winding road near the banks of the Missouri River. It's just a street in a densely wooded neighborhood but it's almost entirely downhill and creepy in the way that only quiet woods can be creepy. The rumor was that if you drove too far down the road and got too close to their property, the bubbleheads would come out of the woods and scare you off. There are multiple no trespassing signs on this road to try to deter teenage visitors, but the legend lives on. What exactly is a bubblehead? I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm honestly envisioning like a balloon. A balloon? Or like a bobblehead. Like. <laughs> yeah. 
Now on Clayton Road in St. Louis, Missouri, this is probably the most well-known urban legend in West County. The tale of Laughing Lake is a sad one. It's said that a couple of children drowned in a lake off Clayton Road. The legend goes that their father, an artist, painted a vision of them on the side of the house there. It supposedly appears that the viewer is looking at them as though they're underwater, laughing and having a good time in the afterlife. That's a sad story. In St. Charles, Missouri, depending on who you ask, you're likely to get a different story about Molly Crenshaw. She was usually either a witch whose body was buried in separate graves, leaving the pieces to try to wiggle back together over time, or she was a woman who committed suicide after she lost her hearing. Either way, the story is sad, but her various legends have inspired West County teenagers to seek out her grave for more than 50 years. Now, two urban legends surround the seven gates of hell. The first is that if you drive through each gate of the railroad trestles built in the late 1800s around Collinsville, in an exact order, as you go through the final gate, a portal from hell will open. One must drive through the seventh gate at exactly the stroke of midnight. When this portal is opened, hellhounds will be unleashed to drag you down to hell. Why would you want to do that? Stories about these seven gates of hell have become legendary among the locals, with stories of hangings, KKK meetings, satanic rituals, and paranormal activity around these bridges. The second urban legend is that if you drive through the gates in reverse order from seven to one, a tear in reality will appear. You can even glimpse it by looking back as you drive through the last gate. And in the rear view mirror, you will get a view into hell. This sounds more fun. <laughs> now, I found someone who took the time to drive through these gates, explore around these areas a bit during the day, and blog about it. Oh, so he wouldn't even attempt it at night. <laughs> and so gate one, to find the first gate, you have to get to Collinsville from Route 159. As you go through downtown, look for East Church Street. Turn right, follow East Church Street to the cemetery. I did get a little turned around at the cemetery. Make sure to stay to the left as you pass the cemetery. Each Church Street eventually changes names to Lebanon Road. There is a road to the left that you can pull over in to take a quick photo if you want. However, it is hard to see cars coming through the gate from the left when you pull out from there. Be careful. This gate is probably the most open, so the creep factor is low on this one. I also chose to drive through the gates in the middle of the day. I'm sure at night it would take on a completely different vibe. Gate 2 you come across gate two and a half mile from the first gate. Please keep your eyes open it is, as it is a sharp left. I pulled over off the road in front of the gate to get the photo. You have to make the left turn on Lockman Road to reach gates three and four. If you miss the turn, you miss these gates as Lockman Road meets back up to Lebanon Road after gate four. <laughs> Gate 2 has some ominous stories surrounding it. One story has a young, young African-American boy chased by the KKK and is caught and hung at Gate 2. Another story has two friends arguing over a girl. One hangs himself, and the other friend feels remorse and hangs himself as well. Supposedly, you can see spirits of a man and child by this gate and hanging bodies at night. Gate 3 is a half mile from Gate 2 on Lockman Road. It will be on the right on Longy Road, 
after some ce cement structures. The gate dips down, and it is tough to see if any cars are coming in the opposite direction. A helpful reminder for you to drive carefully, as these are all country roads and are very narrow with little to no shoulder. I pulled over as far as I could, and am glad that I did, for a couple of vehicles had come through from the opposite side. Gates 3 and 4 are called the Twin Gates, as they are very close together. The stories for these two gates are that satanic rituals and animal sacrifices happen between these gates. The other weird thing that happens, and it did happen to me, is what happens between these gates. You have to make a quick turn to the left after going through gate 3. I pulled over quickly as gate 4 is only 400 feet away. You can hear a car approaching very quickly from the direction of four, so I stayed in my car and opened my window to get the photo. As I waited for the car to appear for a while, it never did. I swear, I heard a car. Gate four is just plain creepy. It has by far the biggest spook factor surrounding it. I was fascinated by this gate. I drove through and kept going, but decided to go back for a closer look at the gate. I turned around and parked the car before the gate on the right just off the road. All the gates are covered in graffiti, but this gate also had some leftovers from whatever happens here at night. Once you get past gate 4 on Longay Road, it connects back into Lebanon Road. Follow Rebanon Road past Heck Road and Bonin style roads. You will need to take a left turn onto South Liberty Road. This is a country road and is narrow, so watch out for approaching vehicles. I had to pull over to let an Amazon Prime truck go past me. The fifth gate is approximately one mile at the bottom of a hill. There is nowhere to pull over before this gate. And all you can see is a very narrow, dark tunnel that you have to go through without seeing through to the other side. Liberty Road merges into West Mill Creek Road. The sixth gate is about half mile from where the road merge. From where the roads merge, this gate happens to be confused with another called Acid Bridge. The Acid Bridge's story is that there was a group of teens tripping on LSD and had a fiery car crash into or off the bridge. Supposedly, you can see a ghost car that reenacts this event at that bridge. I didn't find anything untoward around this sixth gate, as it is surrounded by farms and farmers harvesting their fields. Gate 7 is the farthest away from the other gates, and most people give up before they even reach it. Stay on West Mill Creek Road until it stops at Troy O'Fallon Road. Cross the intersection to continue on East Mill Creek. Until you come to a stop sign at Blackjack Road. Turn left on Blackjack Road. Then you will be turning right on Bower Road. Bower Road will take you directly through the 7th Gate. The last gate to me was not very ominous as the concluding one to open the portal of hell. It was right after the farms that I found to be charming. I even stopped to take some pictures of cows. Don't ask why. This is just something I do. Where cows? They all end up in my camera at some point. Also, my drive through the seven gates of hell occurred in the middle of the day. If I attempted to do this in the pitch dark at midnight, I'm sure I would be writing a completely different story. I bet you wouldn't be writing a story. No. The Stifle Theater, or the theater formerly known as the Keel Opera House, has a rich history and much unexplained paranormal phenomena. Do, 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 do. Completed in 1934 as part of the Municipal Auditorium Complex. In addition to the 3,100-seat main theater, the convention hall, now known as Keel Auditorium, has 9,300 seats. 
Construction on the convention hall did not end until 1936, but this was designed by architects Louis Labum and Eugene S. Klein. La 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 bumble. <laughs> the Opera House is all that remains of the original complex, where it now meets Enterprise Center, an arena completed in 1994. The Opera House features seven venues and a two-story front lobby, constructed entirely of Tennessee and St. Genevieve marble. Four small theaters with 700 seats, exposition hall, a basement restaurant and bar, offices, dressing rooms, and support spaces for this facility. During its height of activity, it attracted the world's finest performers, concert artists, Broadway shows, plays, dance companies, symphonies, blues, jazz, country western, and rock musicians, grand opera, and light opera. It presented several veiled prophet balls, Choral pageants, civic events, and traveling exhibits. Staff members, both new and retired, have a collection of images, videos, and stories that back up their claims that the building is haunted. Senior Public Safety Manager Eric Cornman interviewed with local television crew Five on Your Side. And this photo shows something really, really neat, said Corn Man. It's an image of what he believes to be a ghost. I took this picture and I blew it up just to make it easier to see, said Corn Man. For me, I see bangs, curly hair, two eyes, a nose, and a mouth that appears to be smiling. I believe her name is Rachel. We see her and hear her all the time. I've had guests ask me about her. She's been in the Grand Lobby area walking around, smiling, waving at people. She seems very friendly. Doesn't seem malicious at all. Rachel isn't a name staff members assigned to the woman. Rachel is the name she chose herself. Paranormal investigators were here with a spirit communication session going on. She called out to one of the investigators that initiated the conversation. The investigator asked what her name was, and she said, Rachel. Corn Man said at the spot where the theater was built, a woman was stabbed to death by her husband. We just associate that with Rachel. Rachel's here a lot. She's been seen by guests. She's been seen by employees. She sings a lot. You can hear. Actually, it's kind of pretty. She sees like she's a good singer. She'll swing. She'll sing warm-up bars and hum a lot. You hear her up in the balcony area sometimes if you're up here by yourself and the lights are off. She'll just start singing. Some years back when a Broadway show was in town, two riggers saw a man wearing a coal miner's hat sitting above the stage in the rafters. It spooked them to the point they both climbed down and quit before loading out was done. They were pretty adamant they weren't going back up there. The sound of footsteps walking across the stage is commonly heard while underneath in the trap room. I had one security guard who was standing right here near the front of the stage, and he felt two hands on his hips pulling back. So they were kind of protective at that point. They didn't want him to fall off the edge. Cornman entertained reporters with a story about a yoga class that was being held in the lobby of the theater. One of the participants approached him and asked about the woman up on the second floor watching them. Cornman suggested it may have been the group's photographer taking pictures. That's when the woman clarified, No, I mean the dead one. The woman confessed to Cornman that she had the ability to see ghosts. Cornman said that over the years, so many people have quit after experiencing paranormal activity, that they added a ghost tour to their employee orientation to prepare them for things they might witness. That's, That's pretty awesome. cool, actually. <laughs> I want to work there. I was going to say the same thing. 
That'd be wild on a job orientation. Like, and welcome. You, you clock in here. You put your stuff here. This is the break room. And now we're going to take you on a tour of where the ghosts hang out. So that you know this what to This is where you'll expect. see this. This is where you'll hear this. This is where something grabs you. <laughs> no one has lived in the McPike Mansion since the mid-1900s. When Sharon and George Loedke bought the home at auction, they had no idea what they were getting themselves into. They soon learned that many Alton, Illinois residents believe the McPike Mansion is the most haunted place in town. The house was built in 1869 by architect Louis Pfeifenberger by Henry Guest McPike. The McPike family owned 15 acres of land, then known as Mount Lookout Park. Here, McPike, a horticulturalist, perfected his McPike grape. The house changed hands several times since the original owners left in 1936. Most people do not know what happened to them. Unfortunately, I am one of those people as well. For a time, it was home to Brown's Business College and was owned by Paul Lankinger, who rented rooms out to other occupants. The mansion featured 11 marble fireplaces and a beautifully carved stairway banisters, all of which were stolen during its abandonment. The Luikis have worked extensively to nurture this great house back to its regal state. It is not uncommon when taking photos in the mansion to see orbs, balls of light, even figures appearing in the windows that were not seen at the time the photo was taken. Many psychics and mediums have felt the presence of what they believe to be the McPike family, servants, and guests. The cellar has been a focal point of much of the paranormal phenomena. Sharon Loiki said, it is haunted, and I'm like kind of a see-it-to-believe-it person. My first two experiences was that I tripped on some boards and brick inside and felt a tug on the side of my warm-up jacket. That wasn't, that really wasn't scary. It was like, what was that? I came up here and saw a man in the second-story window about seven weeks after we bought the house. And I hadn't seen any pictures of anyone at that point. But I do believe that it was Paul Lankinger. People have rented the grounds for weddings and baby showers. And it has opened its doors for tours. All of which resulted in many spirits being felt and heard. I think the spirits were really glad to see everybody. It's a long winter and nobody comes around. So they were really happy. No. <laughs> oh, it's a baby shower. Oh, isn't yeah. that just adorable? They're just really touching those spirits. <laughs> they really were felt. <laughs> now we're going to talk about the Grandel Theater. Or maybe the Grandel Theater. I don't know. However you want to say it. At the top of a hillside in the heart of Grand Center sits the Grandel Theater. Built in 1884, this limestone structure was originally the first congressional church. In the 134-year history, the Grandel has been the site of several reports of paranormal activity. I searched the internet the best I could and did not find anything. Other than in 2017, the St. Louis Paranormal Research Society caught a shadow figure on film at the bottom of the stairs leading into the basement, also in the theater's green room, and also in the corridors under the main stage. He's like, here I am. You see me now. The Fox Theater has experienced strange incidents like hissing women, 
Depression era audience members. <laughs> Disembodied footsteps in offices. Clunk, 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 clunk. Doors opening and closing on their own. In the projection room and ballrooms and bathrooms. Ghost orbs in the marquee room. Hey, you don't got a sound effect <laughs> for that one. Yeah. Light flicker, light flicker, light flicker. Full body apparitions. Hi. Look at me. And shadow people spotted in the tunnels of the basement. Can't see me. I'm just your shadow. Most of these entities seem playful and mischievous, and their activities have never caused any harm or even disrupted shows at the theater. They have only been said to give a couple or <clears throat> to give multiple staff and visitors some frats. You see that like they're not doing any harm. They're not there to hurt anybody. They're just there for, you know, to be in a place that maybe brought them, you know, happiness or a place that they loved. Fox publicity manager Megan Ketcherside said, Before the Fox first opened its doors in 1929, a Presbyterian church was in its place and was later torn down to become the Fox Theater known today. Aline Kirby was, and maybe still is, the club manager at Fox Theater, whom worked there for at least a decade. And in interviews, she has expressed, Nothing could have prepared me for this. I've seen one spirit, but felt countless. Mediums that have visited the Fox since a connection in the marquee room between the spirits here and the church. This was thought to cause the paranormal activity seen and heard at the theater by customers and staffs. This area, for some reason, seems to have, when we bring mediums in, has more connection with the church. They see funerals. When you least expect it is when they just kind of stroll by, a black shadow will go by. And I have no idea what the smalls or larges had to say about the haunting. (laughs) <laughs> but Dr. Farley of St. Louis sure to mind. <laughs> <laughs> but Dr. Farley of the St. Louis Paranormal Research Society said We captured one of the best apparitional shots I've ever seen right here at seat H11. It's a lady sitting here like she's watching the show. Customers get pictures of spirits all the time. Oh, yeah. And they turn them over to us. One of the spirits is called Anna. She was a caretaker for the church and used to be on this land, the Grand Presbyterian Church. Something would happen where I'd get a feeling when my breath was taken out of me. Or, you better leave this room right now, which I would always do. They just overcome me sometimes. One of my investigators snapped a photo here, and they captured his apparition. And it's pretty amazing when you see it. And strange things have been reported in the tunnels under the stage. Secret tunnels. A lady with a bun of dark hair, wearing a ruffled shirt, and having no legs is seen in the tunnels, as well as the theater aisle. I can't feel my legs. You ain't got no (laughs) legs, Lieutenant Dan. (laughs) That's not what it says. I've walked through here with mediums before. One gentleman literally kept his arm out because there was too much traffic. He said the hallway is full of people in costumes and overalls who are working the show. And they're constantly coming up and down the hallway. One day, two SLU nursing students got locked in one of the rooms of the theater, and it distressed them so much that they began screaming out for help. The master key, which works everywhere in this theater, couldn't get these doors open. Finally, the maintenance man ripped the doorknobs off the doors to get the girls out. It's never been put back on because they swore we're never doing this again. We were able to communicate with so many that they'll just tell us their names. We have Jeffrey, who's probably our most popular one. 
Jeffrey wears a tuxedo and a top hat and smokes cigarettes out of a long cigarette holder. He lives in the back of the house. William, who lives in the projection room, is a poltergeist that is not very friendly. He's super strong. He's super powerful. Mediums claimed he worked in the theater in the 1940s as a spotlight operator for dancers on the stage. He was very good at his job, but he's a drinker. One day he may have one or two many drinks and he's missed the spot on the stage. And a young lady fell and broke her leg and never danced again. And the guilt overwhelmed him. Anna is easy to spot. People describe her the same way all the time. I just saw a lady in a green dress. Carl Vogt, who is a tour guide and host of the Fox Club, began to believe in the paranormal after. A little boy just as clear as could be, and that fast he was gone again. Vogt described as he snapped his fingers. He was just there for a fraction of a second. Staff members thought it would be a good idea to start offering ghost tours to the public. These tours have been hosted for a few years now. They offer historical aspects of the theaters, incorporated with paranormal stories. The St. Louis Paranormal Research Society conducts investigations regularly and have performed seances in the past. It's during these tours guests have caught Many strange things on camera. Strange things are happening here. <laughs> that sounds like a cool place. Yeah. I want to go to the Fox Theater. I'm down for the Fox Theater in uh, the Stifle. Was it the Stifle Theater? Those both sound kind yeah. Mm. It's really hard to do voices when all my voices end up <laughs> sounding the same. Well, I've learned that if I talk at this level, I don't cough as much. But when I talk more like this, it makes me cough more. Using vocal cords. All right, Chad. So you did some research, too. What do you have? So I got a Lindenwood University. Ooh. In 1827, Mary Sibley and her husband, George, settled in St. Charles. Mary started a small school in town. He first started teaching her sisters. Louisa, and a few other few town girls from their home. By 1831, a log cabin was built at Lindenwood, specifically to house 20 boarding students, as well as create additional classroom space. On June 20th, 1878, Mary Sibley passed away at the age of 78. She is buried with her family in the cemetery located on site. Since then, students have reported to see appearances. It is known that she walks around campus watching over her students, said Mariah Stewart, Lindenwood alumni. Sibley Hall was formerly Sibley Family Home and later became the school's first residence hall. Paul Hoffman, Lindenwood archivist, said that over the years, students have reported being touched by ghosts or stuff moving mysteriously. Huffman, who is, has an exclusive insight on Missouri history, archivists specialized in preserving and organizing information that has long-term value, said the cemetery was first founded by Presbyterians during the 1920s, and then Lindenwood purchased it. When it was being used as a dormitory, many of the residents claimed to hear loud noises in vacant rooms and could not find a cause for the sound, said Huffman. Huffman said they also heard footsteps going up and down the stairs, the sound of a piano being played in the empty hall where Mary Sibley's piano was stored. The auditorium is said to be haunted by a former teacher who has said that he never got, got to see her, or that she never got to see her play. Sibley Chapel is another little campus location that is rumored to be haunted where the organ plays itself, as well as Cobbs Hall is said to be haunted by a ghostly woman in white. Da, 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 <laughs> I was thinking. Put up, put up, put up. 
Then, kind of going back off uh, a little bit that Dave talked about, I got the Zombie Road. Zombie Road. Oh, yeah. Or All Foster Trail, near the intersection of Highway 109 and Old State Road. Though it is one of the lesser known locations, those who do know Zombie Road agree that it is one of the most haunted places in St. Louis. The road's true name is Lawler Ford Road. And the stories connected to it are varied, as they are creepy. One tale says the nickname for the road originated from the Zombie Killer, a menacing loner from the 50s that lived alone in a shack in the woods and it attacked young couples that used the area as a place to be alone. There is also said to be a female ghost that haunts the area. She is believed to be the ghost of Della Hamilton McCullough, who was struck by a train nearby in 1860. 1876. The most creepy of all are the rumors of shadow figures that haunt the road. Not just a few shadow figures either. People have claimed to see literally hundreds of dark figures in the woods watching the road. The story goes that there are souls of children from a nearby orphanage who'd never received proper burial. Did y'all see any of the videos of Zombie Road? No. There, there is a video oh, yeah. of somebody who, who caught a bunch of shadows like this on dash cam. Interesting. I'll have to yeah. watch it. And then I've also got, still on Zombie Road, this is an article from the Channel 5 News, 5 on your side. In the city of Wildwood, there's a series of trails that cover a long road that is still recognized as one of the most haunted roads in America. Zombie Road. I was never a believer before. Totally a believer now. Alex Matuzik said. On a night in 2013, after a horseback ride, she went for a late night walk in the area that's now known. That's now the Merrimack Greenway, which is home to the series of trails like the Al Foster and Rocky Hollow Trails. Before that, the area was known for decades as Zombie Road. There were stories that everyone has heard of of this trail, and my aunt was in town, so we thought it'd be, that we may as well go check it out. We were back quite a ways. The road wasn't paved when we were walking the trail originally, so the brush was very high. Matuzik admitted she was a supernatural skeptic at the time. On the walk, she started feeling some strange sensations. Something strange in the neighborhood. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. There were pockets of colder air, she said. Then Matuzik said she heard sounds she'll never forget. We hear this high-pitched squeal, almost sounding like it was from a teenage girl. A young woman, she said. As we hear this sound, I feel a sharp pain in my leg. Matuzik and Aunt hurried from the woods, but when she got home, she saw a sinister surprise. There were scratches on my leg, she said. Matuzik said she was wearing layers and leather riding traps. None of her layers of clothing were torn. She assumes whatever scratched her wasn't from this world. I don't know of any physical possible way that I would have gotten scratched without there being some kinds of marking on my half-chapped leather. Markings on my pants or socks. No tears. No nothing. It wouldn't be the first time something inexplicable happened in the area. A documentary called Children of the Grave, made by Booth Brothers with Spoot Productions, shows a paranormal team out at night with cameras along Zombie Road, and a number of local interviews with residents of the St. Louis County Police Representatives. News reporters spoke with one of the brothers, Christopher Booth, who caught and shared footage of the photos of what he calls a shadow nest of children caught on camera. Booth said the still images were captured about six miles into the forest, and the shadow images appeared on the film after the photos were developed. 
listed as one of the most haunted roads in America. The original zombie road is said to sit atop the site of one of the largest Native American burial mounds in the country. It is rumored to be occupied by spirits of indigenous people, Confederate soldiers, children, industrial workers, and the list goes on. Some local legends, though, are much less intense. I heard it was like a spooky place to bring your date and cuddle up real close if you were scared, Matuzik said. <laughs> a representative from St. Louis County Parks urged people not to go searching for anything on or around the trails at night. The trails close before sunset, and wandering around in the woods is obviously dangerous. Mastuzik said she's forever changed by her experiences long ago. I'm really not into the paranormal stuff. Never really believed it until this experience, she said. <laughs> so we're going to go cruising down Zombie Road on our way to the Fox Theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. have to go walk through the trails of Zombie Road. That sounds pretty cool. I, I got to go look at these videos here after we do this. Because, yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Very much so. Something strange on the haunted trails. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Na, 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 no, na, you got to do it like an organ. Sorry, I'm not very good at playing the organ. At least not the musical organ. Ah! Uh, <laughs> I'm good at playing one organ, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink, winks, winked, nudged. <laughs> winks, winked, nudged, nudged. It's amazing how any phrase can become dirty if you add, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Go ahead, try anything. I need to sneeze if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, some of the cool stuff about this is, again, it's not far. Literally a place we could do a weekend trip. Yeah. One of these days, we're going to actually have to go on a road trip and document it for our listeners. And maybe do a meetup or something, yeah. especially if we do one of these areas yeah, that we... Actually, have one day when we're rich. Yeah, one day when we're rich, we're gonna get an RV and we're gonna paint it like the Mystery Machine. Hell fucking yes! <laughs> and then we're just gonna tour around to all these haunted places. I am game. Let's do this to make us rich. Our Patreon. So, with your Patreon, <laughs> be sure to follow our Patreon and you know spend as much as you like. And then we will be able to buy our mystery machine and travel to you. Oh, yeah. You donate a lot enough. We'll come visit you. We'll just sleep out in a camper <laughs> out in your front yard. No big deal. It's been a while since we've done a road trip. And I really enjoy these episodes. Because it's interesting to hear about all the this stuff around that we may not hear about very yeah. often. It's also cool to see some of the, like, the similarities in haunted places. In some of these areas. Well, and of course, you know, Dave hit on all the urban legends. You always have to have like your hitchhiker yeah. ghost or your, you know. Crybaby bridge. Or I couldn't like find any crybaby bridges. Really? Yeah. But I didn't really seek them out because I thought those railroad bridges sounded pretty cool. Those are pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's pretty yeah. unique. A bunch of ones you drive. The it's, like, it's like very double dare. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. It's, I can imagine trying to go through at night, and then you're like, "We got to turn on Bower Road, make a let." Oh, shit, I think we just passed it here. Turn around, turn around. Well, you have to do it and be to the seventh gate at midnight exactly. Yeah. So you got to time it out right. So either you get to the seventh gate way too early, <laughs> and then and you just have to sit and wait. Um. I did see on another blog somebody was taking this trip. I don't know what year it was, but the seventh gate, the road was actually closed. And they had a bunch of gravel there in front of it and those uh, orange and white signs and things. And I don't know if they were redoing it or if they decided that, you know, after 2020, now we don't need no gates of hell opening. We're, <laughs> we're closing this thing off for good. <laughs> 
We don't need no Deacon Gates. <laughs> but I, I, they were probably just because, uh, like they said, the the shoulders were non-existent, so yeah. maybe they were spreading gravel. To... Well, they could have also been working on the tracks above. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. But it was definitely closed, and the one blog was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> well, and see, we only have one railroad bridge like this in our town, and it's relatively new. But you go to Oklahoma City, and they're all over the place up there. Oh yeah, and uh, I don't know. They're creepy as it is because they're always covered in graffiti and all that stuff. But now there's an abandoned one in Noble that you can get to on this little like walking trail park. It is absolutely like if you like liminal spaces, go hang out in this tunnel. <laughs> it is probably the creepiest feeling place I have been in this whole region. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And and what it is, is it's the old Santa Fe line. There was, I think, three rows. I mean, it's a long, long tunnel. There were three um, railroad tracks that went across it at one point. And now trees and vegetation and everything have grown over it. So it's like one of those places where... Uh, nature has kind of taken the area back, so it's it's pretty cool. So that eerie feeling is nature saying, nah, bitch, this is ours now. Back the fuck off. Yeah. All those nature spirits. Like, this is ours now. We took it back. I do find it interesting that they call it Zombie Road, though. Because of the killer, or the dude, who was called the Zombie Murderer. Zombie uh, kill? Something like that. Yeah. Zombie kill. you kill no fucking zombies. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I think they're stretching their <laughs> They're like, all right, everybody write down a creepy word and we're gonna drop from a hat. <laughs> Zombie. Okay. <laughs> sure, I guess that wins. So we should start doing the name our episodes. Everybody throw something creepy in. <laughs> poop bridge yeah that doesn't sound good um zombie road well that's better than poop bridge so. <laughs> <laughs> well flood from xv planets pointed out or shared something about some ghost lights that are right at the border of missouri and oklahoma and of course i had to map it and it's four hours almost it's like three hours and 58 minutes from here and I was yeah. like, ooh, we're going to have to go check that out. Because that's just yeah, a day trip. Close, yeah. Although it would be a night trip because you can only see the lights at night. So I would recommend we stay the night in Miami because it's right outside Miami. That sounds like a good plan. Although I don't know if there's any hotels in Miami. I have never been to, I'm sure never been to Miami, but it is Every place has a hotel. It just might not be. They either stay in Miami or Joplin. Those are probably the two biggest cities, their biggest towns near the site. Yeah. Because it's right, it's right on the the border road. It's like we'll have to check this out and go see this because I want to see ghost lights. Yeah. I want to see all this paranormal shit, and all I get, I mean, ghosts are cool, but like. You hear that ghost? She's saying you're not Ghosts that cool. Ghosts are cool. My light turns off. I'm going to leave. off the ones in your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, yeah? We're not that cool, huh? Fuck you. Yeah, the light in my dining room has been doing that flicker thing again here lately. <laughs> Try podcasting in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, the cats and dogs just start going nuts. <laughs> but not right now, because I got a cat asleep across from me. And a dog asleep somewhere. I don't know where she's at. Oh, here. I found a picture of that. Oh, that's that Bridge Noble? Yeah. For some reason, I thought you were going to show me a picture of the shadow figures. Oh, like, oh uh-uh. that's clearly a bush. And that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that tunnel I was telling you about. That's pretty cool, actually. You'll have to go there. It's right. I mean, there's concrete right to it. That'd be actually a really pretty place to take pictures. Yeah. Like family pictures or whatnot? Yeah, it would. 
pretty. Now it usually isn't flooded like that. It just happened to be a uh, a heavy rain then. Yeah, let's just keep talking about this picture or uh, listeners uh, can't see. <laughs> <laughs> what you see here, listeners, it's a picture of a bridge. <laughs> Any bridge will do. Yes, just picture a bridge that's covered by greenery, and that's what you see. But we do want to thank all of our listeners in yeah. the O'Fallon area, or O'Fallon area and the St. Louis area. Um, and everywhere else. And thank you to all, and everywhere else. all the listeners everywhere yes. else. Um, it's always interesting when I pull up the demographics and I see where our listeners are. And and if you're in that area, like like we said, we scoured the best we could through the internet, but a lot of this stuff is found in like books. So yeah. well, that we just also, don't have. So a lot's like local legend. Yeah. And local lore. Like we have a lot of that here that you can't find in books. Mm-hmm. And we did a whole episode about that with um, a collaboration with Flood and Brit, where yeah. we featured our kind of hometown haunts that people haven't really heard about outside of the town. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're in those areas and you've got any really cool stories that we didn't cover, send it our way and we'll share it with you. Yeah. We'll share it on the sh- We'll share it on an episode. Um, speaking of episodes, if you've got a story that you would like to share on our Christmas ghost stories episode, yes, get that submitted to us at umpnormalcy.gmail.com. You can record it yourself reading it and send it to us, or you can just send us the story and we'll have Dave read it in his sultry voice. Yes. Or depending on how long I have my phone sex voice going, maybe I can read it in my phone sex voice. You just have to get it to me really quick. (laughs) Hopefully I'm better tomorrow, though. (laughs) Or maybe Chad can read it like Elmo. (laughs) No! (laughs) Once upon a time! <laughs> and, and when do um they need to have that submitted to us? If you can have us have us, if you can have that submitted to us by calendar. That's a calculator. If you can have this submitted to us by the twenty first, I can get it in the episode that will release on the twenty second. So, okay, yeah, that sounds so, great. So, if you can get that to us by the twenty first, we, we'll we'll get it in the episode that'll be released on the twenty second, and you can tell your own spooky story, or we can read your spooky story. Because that's all. That's that's what you know. Spooky Christmas stories. That have to be Christmas story. Ghost stories on Christmas. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is my voice, my voice, not only is my voice going, my brain's going too. <laughs> Amy needs help. Amy needs lots of help and medicines. No, uh, I blame my son. He was sick over Thanksgiving, and now I'm all of a sudden got this, and I'm like, uh. No, I don't need it. I have enough problems as it is. Right? The way I've been coughing, you'd be throwing your shoulder out again. Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> well, I watched you yawn the other day and yeah. hurt your arms. <laughs> and that and coughing, I was calling my back to go out and I'll spend another month in bed. Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah. Let's all just get healthy. Sounds good. Speaking to me. of, it's about time for me to do the uh, tarot reading for next year. Yeah. I'm really hoping it's better than this year. Agreed. Too. So let's put some positive energy into the atmosphere and into the universe for next year. That yeah. everybody has a better year. And if you had a great year. Up <laughs> <laughs> there, they had a better year than us. True, true, true. <laughs> I mean, I like you, you had a good year and be proud and enjoy it and embrace it. <laughs> Oh, with that one story earlier with the squill and the pig. (laughs) 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 Oh, 
I've seen, fucked up movie. <laughs> I said, I've seen Deliverance. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the ones I made you watch. It is one of the ones you made me watch. You're like, what are they going to do to that man? <laughs> <laughs> and I was told that that wasn't even in the script. They just kind of happened upon that kid that was playing the banjo. So they like started recording. Interesting. Thought you were gonna say the pe- the scene with the guy and the pig. And the- oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that went way off script, y'all. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> they just stumbled upon that in the woods. They're like, hey, film. <laughs> but never have what nine or ten notes ever been so recognizable <laughs> and sinister. <laughs> I think that's going to do it for this week's episode, you guys. I hope you enjoyed and thank you all for listening. Be sure to like us, follow us, and all that fun stuff on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. You can find us at UMP Normalcy. Also, check out our Patreon. I do plan on having some stuff up by the end of December. And then staying on top of that. (laughs) Um, And the more Patreons we have, the more incentive I have to do it. (laughs) Um, Also, don't forget to check out Parabox Monthly to get your monthly paranormal t-shirt sent to your door. Um, use promo code paranormalcy at checkout to get 10% off your order and be sure to use the link in the description for us to get credit for it. And I think that is gonna, oh, oh no, make sure you check out the green mushroom podcast network. We've got lots of cult, ad hoc history, administrism, smuts up, primordia, XV planets and grognostics. And until next time, Keep digging. Unearthing Paranormalcy is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. To hear more great independent productions like the one you just listened to, visit our catalog at tgmpodcastnetwork.com. <laughs>